Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has, here says, Verily I say unto you, he's talking to the believers here, he's talking to the church, context there is the church, there in verse 17, but he says to us, Verily I say unto you, the church, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I want to preach this morning on togetherness. I want to preach this morning on togetherness. Now, in verse 19, he mentions about touching anything they shall ask. It shall be done for them. And, of course, we know the context. You've got to know the, you got to know the Bible. The context is if it's the Father's will. And sometimes it's not the Father's will. We ask lots of things that the Lord says no to. And I'm glad he says no to some of the things we ask for. Amen. But, so we, ne- we know the context of verse 19. But verse 20, I want to preach this morning on togetherness. For where two or three are gathered together. Gather together in my name. You know, the world's all about us all getting along. It's all getting together. The world's all about trying to get everybody together. And that just simply just doesn't work. Us trying to get together like that. There's too many different ways. We have too many different conflicts. We have too many different... There's different religions. There's different uh, theories about religion. There's different attitudes. There's different... There's just different ways we rub each other the wrong way. But Jesus Christ says if you'll gather together, and you'll gather together in my name. So how can we gather together? What's the best way to gather together? The best way for us to gather together is in the precious name of Jesus Christ. So uh, let's gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, people gather together in the name of all kinds of different things. They gather together in the name of football. They gather together in the name of soccer. I know that because I'll go home on Wednesday night, and they'll be playing uh, in, in baseball or soccer, and they'll be out there on Wednesday nights. And it used to be when I was growing up, they never had practice on Wednesday nights. They never had a baseball game on Wednesday nights. That was church night. But boy, man, I go home and they'll be playing baseball all time of night. On Sunday, they'll be playing baseball. On Sunday, they'll be playing baseball on Wednesday. They're gathered together, but they're not gathering together in the name of Jesus Christ. They're gathering together in the name of soccer, in the name of baseball, in the name of football. They gather together in the name of a red hat society. That stuff drives me crazy. I know, I know I'm kind of getting off on a rabbit trail, and I know this is just an opinion, <laughs> but that drives me crazy, the red hat society. I was over at my, at my, we kind of had a semi-family reunion. One of my cousins was over there, and she was going on and on about this lady we know, that she's in the Red Hat Society. But I was too young to be in the Red Hat Society. So, they, so me, to, to get in with them, I had to wear a pink hat. And I had to wear all pink. And I wasn't old enough to wear a red hat, so I had to wear a pink hat. Well, I'm about, I'm, you know, I'm about to just throw up, you know. I'm listening to all this stuff. So I tell her, you know, in front of everybody, I say, you know what I like to do with those red hats? I like to go up there and just knock those stupid red hats off their head. And it's about like it's quieter in here as it was over there when I said that. <laughs> they just looked at me, that guy's crazy. That just, that just drives me crazy. They gather, they gather together for all kinds of nonsense reasons. Let's all wear red hats, you know. Let's all gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, that's what we need to be gathered. Why do we gather together in the name of Because that's the power. That's the, the, that's the name. And that's what I want to preach on. So that's the name. That's the name. Jesus Christ. That's what it's worth gathering together for is Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Talking about gathering together. Hebrews chapter 10. And I know this doesn't go over well when you preach this nowadays, but this is the truth. It's Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
this is Bible, this is what the Bible says. People don't like to believe it. They don't agree with it. They, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be in church. You most definitely do need to be in church. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10. I hope Mrs. Marwitz does, isn't in the Red Hat Society. She just took off. I'll have to apologize to her later. She left it at home, brother. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. She's not old enough to be in the Red Hat Society? Yeah. Well, if you have some pet peeves, you can, you can uh, turn your life over to the Lord and start preaching. You can get up here and preach about red hats or whatever gets on your nerves. That's, that's one of the advantages. I get to turn loose every once in a while on that stuff. You know. my, my wife loves Elvis impersonators. And we'll go out to some Elvis impersonators. So you know where I'm going with this. So if you go to an Elvis impersonator concert, there's not a lot of young people there. Let's just say that. I'm one of the youngest people there. But what, who, who shows up to those, at those? It's going to be the Red Hat Society ladies. They come in and all prancing around and, and everything. And I just want to run like just knock it off and just see what would happen. Then you all find out I got beat up. Just, ah, ah, you know. Yeah, with the red purses. Ah, beat him up, ladies. Beat him up. Slay him. Slay the devil. You know. And I would deserve it. I would deserve it. But I would love it when I was doing it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Nobody likes that. This day and age, nobody likes going to church. Nobody believes we have to go to church. I can serve the Lord outside. Hey, you need to be in church. And we need not to forsake the... And, and it doesn't necessarily... Have, it turns into a building because it makes it convenient. But it can be in a living room. If the U.S. government was to shut down churches and close this building down, we would meet under an oak tree. We would meet in somebody's living room. That's what they're doing over in China. That's what they're doing over in Iraq and Iran. They're having church. We're not talking about a building. We're talking about a, a gathering, a symbol, a gather of people. But church is important. And we're not supposed to forsake that. And that's the gathering together we're talking about this morning. But we gather together. Why? In the name of Jesus Christ. We're not gathered together to see if we can have a coffee club or have a society or see who's dressed nicer or who's, who smells better or who has, who's sitting where in the city or who's here or not. We're gathering here because, simply because of Jesus Christ. And I hope that's the reason you're here, as the manner of some is. So there's a manner of some that they don't gather together. And the Bible calls you out on that. You need to be gathering together. Why? But exhorting one another. That's how we exhort one another. Y'all encourage me, I encourage you. And exhorting is to advise, to uh, motivate, to stir up into action. Yeah, amen. I mean, there's things y'all say to me that stirs me up and motivates me. So, you know, I need to be doing that. And, and I hope I can stir you up and motivate you into doing something. Why do we do this stuff? And so much the more, look at the end of the verse, and so much the more why, as ye see the day approaching, Hey, that day that Jesus Christ is coming back, it's getting closer. The prophecies are all around us. You see it on the news. Hey, Jesus Christ is coming back. We better get to work. We better be exhorting each other. We better be working with each other. We got to have a togetherness here. We got to learn to get along. Remember Rodney King said that? Rodney King in the 90s, he got along, he's, he got on TV and, he, and they're riding all in L.A. And he said, can't we all just get along? You know, Remember him getting up and saying that? Yeah, well, if you wouldn't run from the cops and be hopped up on PCP or cocaine, we could get along a lot better, you know. we got to learn to get along together for the name of Jesus Christ. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. 
You might ask, well, why, we get, why do we need to get together? Verses 6. Look at verse 6. I'm going to answer the question. Now that we're together, and we're together in the name of Jesus Christ, what do we do? Paul says, I have planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. What's going on here? Paul and Apollos are doing something. Paul and Apollos, Paul is planting and Apollos is watering. What are they doing? They are doing something. Verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We're all in this together. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You're going to get a reward for what you're doing, guys. You're going to get, you're going to get rewards took away for not doing stuff. Looking for a reward. Look at verse 9, though. For we are laborers, laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. We're, as a church, we're gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. So what should we be doing? We should be doing some work. <laughs> laboring. Laboring together with God. God should be in this thing. God should be with us. We know Jesus Christ is indwelling us as believers. But when we get together, man, the Holy Spirit starts moving. You notice that? You can sing the same songs and... Uh, it doesn't seem the same as when you're gathered with believers and the Holy Spirit starts moving and we're glorifying Jesus Christ, singing praises of Jesus Christ. You can feel the Holy Spirit start moving and there's an excitement in the air. That's what God wants us to be together. There's power in togetherness. It says in Amos 3.3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? We've got an agreement in here. We've got to have an agreement in here. Well, what's the agreement, Brother Keegan? The agreement is simply Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ and nothing but Jesus Christ. And if there's some kind of disagreement, let's put our disagreement to the side for the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We need to put our stuff together in the name for the name of Jesus Christ. Because when we come together, there's all kinds of walks of life in here. For the name of Jesus Christ. There's doctors. There's people who are Trash men, amen. There's jobless people, rich people, poor people, healthy people, sick people, black people, white people. There's all kinds of colored people. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what walk of life you are. Let's all put that to the side. Let's come together in the name of Jesus Christ and do something for the Lord. And let's do some labor for the Lord. That's, a work, that's something that a Christian don't like to hear. Work, work, work. They don't like that word work. And we know according to the word of God that we're not working to be saved. We're not working to get to the cross. We're working from the cross. In other words, we're saved by grace through faith. And we're not working to get saved. We're working because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tell us all this. That you're saved through faith. Saved through grace through faith. It tells us all that. Not of works. But verse 10, the very next verse tells us what? We're created in Jesus Christ to do works, to do good works. You're, God created you and put Jesus Christ in you and the Holy Spirit in you for you to do a work. Amen. I've talked about going to church and how important it is to go to church, but it's not enough just to come in and sit on a pew. Man, we, we, we need people doing something for Jesus Christ. You're worshiping Jesus Christ in here this morning. Praise the Lord for that. And I appreciate you making the effort to come out here and worship Jesus Christ and want to hear from Him and want to hear His Word and get around other believers. That's a real blessing. But guys, when that door comes, when you leave those doors, that's when the real work begins. The work is, for the, the work is in the world. 
Nobody else is proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody. Everybody's afraid to even talk about him. They're afraid to talk about him on the TV. They're afraid to talk about him on the radio. They're afraid to talk about him. They don't mention him. If you do mention him, it's a rare thing anymore. Even in the workplace, that's our job to do. So we're together. Now we're together in the name of Jesus Christ. We know we need to work. So turn to Psalms 34.3. Please turn to Psalms 34.3. What do we need to do? Well, Well, let's see what the Bible tells us we need to do. You know, uh, Romans 12 tells us that uh, it's our reasonable service to do something for Jesus Christ. It's reasonable service for us to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a reasonable thing to do. After all, He's done for us, saved us, got us a place waiting for heaven, building us a mansion, took our loved ones on before us. We know they're waiting on us. Isn't it? It's a reasonable thing to do to do something for Jesus Christ. It's the reasonable thing to do. And we need to work together to do that and not work against each other. That's what happens with churches. Churches start working. You got groups in churches. They get split up in the church. They start working against each other, and they forget that they need to put those differences aside for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what happens. Somebody gets too prideful and say, "Well, I didn't like." There was a church in Brownwood that literally broke up over the color of the carpet. They were trying to pick out the color of the carpet they were going to put in the church, and the church disbanded because they got into a fight over the color of carpet. Somebody couldn't just say, I don't care what color. It don't matter if it's polka dot. Just put carpet on the ground. Let's do something for Jesus Christ. We're only coming in here for a little while. What we're doing for Jesus Christ is not in the church. It's what happens outside of the church. That's why, guys, that's why I put such an importance on getting a radio ministry out there. Let's get a newspaper ministry going. Get some gospel tracts. Let's get those gospel tracts handed out. Tell people about Jesus Christ because they're not coming in here to hear the gospel. They need to hear it from you. And, of course, as a, it can't be the preacher's responsibility to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. That's everybody else's responsibility. Y'all, we need to do this together. We're in this together, amen. I'm showing you this is the togetherness. And, I, and you say, well, I might offend somebody. I want to be a church that's known, that glorifies Jesus Christ. I don't care if we offend people. Who cares? They don't mind offending me. They offend me. Every time I turn on TV, I'm offended. I'm offended by the lots of things I see. So I don't mind offending them in the name of Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to answer to God one day. And I'd rather them be offended and me get to heaven and say, I told you, I tried to warn you, and you wouldn't take it. Then for them to say, be standing at the judgment and look at me and say, you didn't warn me. You didn't tell me. Man, can you imagine being there at the judgment and your loved one, somebody you know that knew, a neighbor, somebody, you never told them about Jesus Christ. And they said, you were you never, I ran into you every day. I was at work with you every day. You never told me about Jesus Christ. Some people are just waiting to hear the gospel message. When I say, when I say tell them about Jesus Christ, the majority of the world knows about Jesus Christ. I'm telling them about your testimony of what Jesus Christ can do for them. Look at Psalms 34.3 before I go on. Look at Psalms 34. I had you turn there, so let's read it together. 34.3, Psalms 34.3. Laboring together to do what? What are we laboring together to do? This is a simple verse. Psalm 34.3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, man. This is a great verse. This is mine and or Kathy and mine's verse right here. This is the verse I used to... to uh, proposed to my dear wife those years back I, I read this verse to her before I asked will you marry me I read this verse to her and she said uh, I'll think about it 
And then she got back with me in about two or, two or three days and said, well, I guess I'll marry you if I have to. But this is the verse I used right here. Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I said, and let us exalt His name together. I said, let's get married and let's exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. Amen. See, let's get together in, in a marriage and let's do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I'm a preacher, so if you're marrying me, you know we're going to be doing stuff for Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. Amen. Hey, guys, I'm here to tell you t- this morning, let's do stuff together for Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. You're not, all the, you're not alone. <laughs> You don't have to say, hey, I'm all alone. I'm the only one telling something. No, you're, we're in this together. When you're out there handing out a track, or you're out there laying a track somewhere, I'm here to tell you, that man right there, he's handing out tracks too. Right. Raymond's handing out tracks. He's leaving tracks in hospitals and leaving tracks in doctor's offices. That man's doing it too. I know my wife's doing it. I've seen her. You're not the only one. We're not, you're not doing this all alone. We're in this together. And when you're standing in front of somebody and you have the courage to say, hey, could I tell you about Jesus Christ? And they say, no, I don't want none of that. Hey, they've done that to me. We're in this together. They've been rude to me. We're in this together. But what we're supposed to be doing is simply this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We're simply magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, exalting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. Let's lift him up. Let's glorify him. Let's tell the world about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer to all the world's problems. He is. It's a simple answer. Jesus Christ. If somebody comes up and you say, I'm having troubles in my marriage. Jesus Christ. I'm having trouble because I'm sick. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm lonely. Jesus Christ. You know, I have a, a sister that's going through a lot of problems in her life. And she was sitting down and we were talking about it. And, and she says, Jesus Christ is my partner now. Amen. You know, her husband's left her and she, she's had to get a divorce. And she's going through all this problems. She says, Jesus Christ, is, is, he's my mate. He's my partner. Amen. And that's the testimony of my wife when we got married. He said, she said, me and Jesus Christ, we were like we were married. He, he was taking care of me. He was everything to me. So when somebody comes up to my wife and is having problems in the marriage or have a husband that's left them or whatever's happened to them, my wife's testimony is, the answer is Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, that, that answer answers everything. I'm having a problem with alcohol, Jesus Christ. I'm having a problem with smoking. I'm having a problem with some kind of sin, whatever it might be, Jesus Christ. You see how simple this is? It's simply exalting the name of Jesus Christ. Philippians says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name. (laughs) He's above Muhammad. He's above Buddha. He's above anybody you can think of. The Pope. It's Jesus Christ. (laughs) God's done that. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, of things in the earth, and things under the earth. Down in hell. Everybody down in hell is going to bow. They're going to bow before Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. There's going to come a time at the great white judgment when they bring up the lost and before they're thrown into hell and after they get through seeing all their sins and they have no answer for it, they're going to say, hit the knee. And they're going to tell them, 
Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ. They're going to have to confess it. If you're going into hell or if you're going into heaven, you will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. That includes the devil. The devil will one day have to get down and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Into hell he goes. Praise the Lord. Why don't you do it down here? And when you can get saved. See, that's the ticket. That's the ticket into heaven. It's not doing good works. It's not going to church. It's not feeding the poor. It's not stopping doing this or stopping doing that. The the secret to getting into heaven is confessing the name of Jesus Christ. Knowing that he's alive. He's listening to you, praying and asking, will you save me? It's the precious name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12, that's the name. So if we can get together, and we can get together in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing we're together, knowing that we need to get to work, so the work that we need to do is to exalt and glorify the name of Jesus Christ every way, magnify it every way we can. Every way we can. That name, it is a beautiful name. It is an easy name. This is Dr. Ruttman. This is what he wrote about the name of Jesus. It is whispered by children at bedtime. It is called out in the darkness of hospital rooms at night. It is murmured under shell fire on the battlefields. It is sounded forth publicly from the pulpit of every true minister that is left. It is called upon tearfully by the sinful wretch who escapes the pollution of this world at a prayer altar and tastes and sees that the Lord is good. Oh, there have been many names that I have loved to hear, but none falling so sweetly on my ear as that blessed name of Him who bore my shame, the matchless, matchless name of Jesus. Man, I... I just love to hear people talk about Jesus Christ. I, hear, I love to hear people glorify Jesus Christ. I love to hear people sing and glorify Jesus Christ in songs. There's a, a Greater Vision, uh, what's his name? Chris from Greater Vision, he sings that song. He says, uh, I can't walk on the water, I can't heal the blind. He tells that, he goes, but I know a man who can. I know a man is, who can. His name is Jesus. You know. My Savior, Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus, it's all about Jesus. See, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Guys, I'm here to tell you this morning. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. We're already together, amen. Amen. we got a pretty good church that gets together. And I think if we get in here and we understand we're not in here just to fellowship, which we do fellowship. Praise the Lord. We get along pretty good. But we're in here not for Brother Keegan. We're not in here because somebody else is in here. We're in here because of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ shuts this thing down, we're all in trouble. Amen. We want to glorify him. We want to lift him up. We want to send him all over the world. In the, this, we want the banner to say Jesus Christ. We want, we want everything to say Jesus Christ in our life. Amen. You understand what I'm saying to you? We, we want our speech to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. We want our clothes to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. We want to go to the grocery store and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. We want to go into the doctor's offices, the workplace, our homes, our families, the reunions, wherever we're at. We want everything we do to glorify Jesus Christ in every aspect of our life. That's what we should be working toward. Amen. Is he not worthy? Man, is Jesus Christ not worthy? 
Man, I've given my life to some of the stupidest things. And I don't even like to admit some of the things I've given my life to. Just give my life over to different things in my life. Or football or whatever it might be. Women or whatever. Drinking. You give your life to so many different things. And they, none of them worthy. None of them worthy of even half the time you gave them. But we're talking about Jesus Christ. Is he not worthy? Look at Matthew. We'll close in John chapter 4. We'll close in John chapter 4. Man, Jesus Christ is, is so worthy of everything. And you might say, well, Brother Keegan, how can, I, how can I exalt him? How can I magnify him? I can tell you a simple way you can do it. You can do it through your voice. You can do it through your testimony. And what I mean by that is, I love to give this testimony, and you, uh, you can give your own testimony, but I like to tell people, and it's a simple testimony is this. Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. That's what I tell people. Not winning the lottery, not getting this job, not, not marrying my beautiful wife, not, no. Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. And I mean that. He's kept me out of prison. He's given me a health. He's given me a good life. He's given me hope. He's given me a heaven. He's given me a heavenly hope. He gives me hope and glory that my mom's up there with him. She's saved. And when I received and took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I've never regretted it. It's the best thing I ever did. And the joy in my heart, I can't explain it. Do I have troubles? Yeah. Do I go through problems? Yeah. I go through storms in life. They come. That's life. But thanks to Jesus Christ, it, it, it's, I'm on a different level. <laughs> I, I'm waiting. I, my, this, you know, everything going on in politics, who cares? Everything going on in the world, who, who cares? I, heaven's coming. Jesus Christ is coming. All thanks to Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 4. Look at verse 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples here after he gets through talking to the woman at the well. And they're looking at wondering why he's, uh, what he's doing because he says he's got meat. He's already, been, he's already got some meat to eat. And they're like, what are you talking about, Lord? And this is what he's talking about in verse 35. Say not ye... There are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Amen. Guys, there's people looking for Jesus Christ. There's people, don't, they've heard the name of Jesus Christ, but they've never heard Him exalted and magnified like you can do it. Amen. You understand me? You understand me? You can talk about Jesus Christ like nobody else can. They can read about Jesus Christ in the Bible. They can hear about Him on a TV program. Or somebody, maybe their mom or dad or grandmother, grandmother took them to church and they heard about Jesus Christ. And maybe they had some milly mouth preacher maybe mention Jesus Christ. But you personally, you guys, I know every one of you in here and the testimony y'all carry with you. You can talk about Jesus Christ like nobody else can. Man, that's why I love to hear. I mean, you can talk about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you personally like nobody else can. And there's people out there that need to hear that. The, the, the testimony my wife carries about having Jesus Christ as her partner when she went through the divorce and all the things she had to deal with, she can give a testimony that no, no very few people can give. That's hers. That's for you. The, Sister Christy just survived that car wreck that just almost died. She can give a testimony that I can't give. Joker can give a testimony about what Jesus Christ has done for him that I can't give. 
That's what the Lord's given you. It's your job. And the Lord says, look up. They're everywhere. Look up. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Hey, this is, it's ready. Let's get together and let's get people in here. Let's get together and let's glorify Jesus Christ, magnify Him. We're in this together. I'm not trying to tell you to do something that you're going to be going out there all alone. You got me with you, you got the rest of the church with you, but more importantly, you got Jesus Christ with you. And you got the Holy Spirit with you. And sometimes we're so afraid, like, well, what am I going to say? Or how am I going to say it? Let the Lord speak through your heart. Let the Lord speak through you. Just say a quick prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say, Lord, give me the words to say. Because the Lord wants that soul saved. Amen. Y'all know the Bible. He wants them saved. He loves them just like He loves you. And you might say, well, I'm going to mess up, Brother Keegan. I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. Or I'm going to say something that's going to come out wrong. That's the way God wants it to come out. See, sometimes they don't want to hear from somebody who's real eloquent. Sometimes they've heard, they want to hear somebody who's real, who does a little bit of stuttering. It's coming from the heart. See, when it comes from the heart, that's when it's real. And Jesus Christ, lift up your eyes and look on the field, he says, for they are wide already to harvest, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may, look, rejoice together. I'm trying to close this service by showing you that if we can do this stuff together, listen, we can do this stuff together, which is glorify the name of Jesus Christ, lift him up in every way. We can do this stuff together. You know what's going to happen? We're going to rejoice together. Is there not rejoicing when somebody gets saved? Is there not rejoicing when we see somebody's life turn around? Is there not rejoicing when somebody gives a testimony about how good the Lord's been to them? We can rejoice together. This is something we can share together. We can share each other's pain together. We can share each other's sorrow together. But we can also share each other's joy together. And that's the great thing about a church is when you're glorifying Jesus Christ and lifting them up, when you're going through sorrow, the rest of the church is there to love on you. When you're going through problems in your life, it might be health or family or finances, whatever. The church, that's what the church is there to help you out, to love on you, to care for you. And there's nothing better than that. I've been on the, both sides of the family. There's nothing better than to be loved on by Christians. There's nothing better than to love on a Christian that needs help. But the greatest thing, though, is when we get together... And even though we have problems, even though there's things going on in our lives and we get to glorify in the name of Jesus Christ and that joy, that wellspring of joy that starts growing in us as we start saying, oh man, you know, I know I have problems, but man, Jesus is so good. And we hear the songs and y'all are singing and it just feels so good. I'll never forget leading that, uh, a 13-year-old girl to the Lord out in Coleman, Texas. And we led her in prayer. She wanted to accept Jesus Christ. And she accepted Jesus Christ. And we stood up. And she turned to me. And she whispered to me. And she said, it just feels so good. Amen. It just feels so good. That's it. That's it, guys. That's what I do all this for. That's what I do all this for. Because I want to see a sinner, a dirty, rotten sinner, get a taste of what I got a taste of, which is the love and forgiveness of God that you can only find through the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says the fields are out there. They're ready. They're, They're ready to be harvested, guys. And we are the ones that are the reapers. 
Everyone in here is a reaper if you're a born-again Christian. That's your job. Go out and help reap. Verse 37. Herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. And I sent you, look at Jesus says, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. And other men labored and you were entered in to their labors. What he's saying there simply for us Texans is this. When I send you out to the field, you're not going out to a field that's full of mesquite, that's got stumps in it, full of rocks laying everywhere, it's never been plowed, not one day in its life. Jesus Christ says, I'm sending you out to a field that's had all the stumps took out of it, all the mesquite took out of it, all the prickly pear, the cactus has been took out of it. It's already been plowed, it's already been seeded, it's already starting to grow up. All I'm asking you to do, Jesus Christ says, I just ask you to go out there and just get the fruit off the trees. Get the fruit. Go out there and help me to reap some of this stuff in. It's already been done. Somebody's already paid for this church, brothers and sisters. The lights. This church was here. The lights, the buildings, the pews, the carpet, all this stuff. Somebody's already, we've already took care of all this. You have no excuse. The tracks are bought. The gospel tracks are bought. The, the, you, the Bibles are here. There's no excuse. The Lord's given you the health to get out of bed this morning. What excuse do you have not to glorify the name of Jesus Christ? You're going to have a hard time convincing me you've got an excuse. Brother Ricky Dodd, laying there crippled in a, in, a, in a nursing home, can't hardly move. His mom's died. His dad's dead. He's had nothing but a horrible life. He still glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. From his bed, from his wheelchair. Those nurses come in there to help him out and he glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. He's still reaping when he can't get up off a of bed. And you're going to come and talk to me about, well, Brother Keegan, I just, I don't know. Don't even start it. Jesus Christ says, Jesus Christ says, I've sent you to reap that whereon you bestow no labor. None of us have shed a blood to get this Bible in our hands. Amen. None of us have shed any blood. We're living in the country of complete freedom and liberty. Amen. Not only have you got all this stuff, all the financial help you could ever dream of, you're living in a country that gives you all the freedom and liberty no other country's ever known to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We as Americans have no excuse. Amen. It's been given to us. The freedom, the liberty, the money, the, the health. If, even if you're in bad health, we've got the doctors to get you out of bed to help you get going. I know, preacher, I know preachers that are preaching that have terminal cancer. Still preaching, still going out winning souls. And they know they've got terminal cancer. The doctors, the God has given the wisdom to the doctors so much that they can even do that. What's your excuse? There is none. Amen. So we're together in this. We have no excuse. Hey, I got an idea. Let's just keep on glorifying the name of Jesus Christ every way we can. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, man, you're missing out. <laughs> you're missing out on the best time you could ever have. That's right. You're missing out on a lot. You think, well, I, I don't want to receive Jesus. I don't want to receive Jesus Christ because then I'll have to stop doing this. Or I'll have to stop doing that. You don't even realize what you're missing out on. Amen. I, I, didn't drink, I haven't drank a beer since I was like 16 years old. And I don't miss a drop of it. I don't even think about it. I, I'm living such a wonderful life. I've got such an abundant life in Jesus Christ. I have so much joy and happiness. I can't begin to tell you what you're missing out on. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're missing out. And let me warn you about something, because you need this warning from the Bible, not from Brother Keegan. There's a payday someday. And God's wrath abideth on you right now. 
And the Bible teaches that if you do not receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, there's hell waiting on you. Because if you go to heaven, and you think you're going to go to heaven in your own righteousness, heaven won't be heaven in your righteousness. You've got to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God can't allow you in there the way you are. He can't allow me in there, allow me in the way I am. I've got to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I've got to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I, you have to take that free gift of Jesus Christ. And we're going to offer it to you this morning. If you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we're going to have an invitation. May the Lord spoke to your heart. And you say, uh, Brother Keegan, I know I'm saved. I, I've been wandering out of boondocks. I've been doing some things I shouldn't do. I'm going to get right with him. The prayer altar is always open. Maybe, maybe you are right with the Lord. Maybe you've been doing some stuff. But maybe you could honestly say, I could do more for the Lord. You know, Brother Bill Eubanks gave his, whole, gave his life to the Lord, gone on to Africa, come back over to Africa. He told me on the phone, listen to this. Brother Bill Eubanks told me this on the phone the other day. He goes, I'll do anything for Jesus Christ, but read my Bible every day and pray for an hour. That's the conviction he had, see. He'll go over to Africa, he'll do, but he's having a hard time just forcing his flesh to read that Bible for 30 minutes. He's having a hard time. All the stuff he's done for Jesus Christ, he says, I'm having a hard time just getting down and praying like I should. Maybe that's your testimony. Maybe you're saying, I've done so much for Jesus, but there's some things in my life I know I could do a little better. Is he worth it? Amen. Amen. Amen, he's worth it. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.